Shalom. We are so glad you're joining us on this episode of Our Hope. We created this podcast as a resource for followers of Yeshua, where they can learn more about Israel, the Bible, and the Jewish community. Together, we discuss Messianic apologetics, dive into Scripture, and hear stories from Jewish believers in Jesus. If you've enjoyed our podcast series, please consider supporting us at ourhopepodcast.com slash support. You could also help us by sharing this podcast on social media, talking about it with your friends and family, or by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. We are so grateful for you, and we hope this episode of Our Hope is both enlightening and encouraging. Welcome to Our Hope, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this podcast, you will hear inspiring testimonies, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Wherever you're listening, we hope you lean in, listen closely, and be blessed. What does it mean to be human? This is one of the most basic and complex questions we can ask. The answer shapes how we view ourselves, others, and our world. We have a sense that human life has purpose and value, but what basis do we have for that belief? Scripture paints a real and nuanced portrait of humanity, one that explains both the depths of human cruelty and heights of human creativity. To be human is to be made in the image of God. Today, we will explore what that means, looking at the story of how it was corrupted and how it is being restored. Our guest today is Neil Saraski, who grew up in a traditional Jewish home. Neil served in the United States Army for several years. He and his wife, Kim, came to faith shortly before their marriage. Neil received a Master of Divinity in Messianic Jewish Studies and is now pursuing a PhD in Bible Exposition. He is also the rabbi of Kehillat Sar Shalom, the Congregation of the Prince of Peace in Leesburg, Virginia, and he's also a returning guest. So, Neil, welcome back to Our Hope. Thank you so much, Nicole. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. We're so happy to have you here in the studio. We rarely have a guest in the studio. And uh, just a little behind-the-scenes tidbit, we don't always record episodes in order. So this is actually our first uh, time recording since March of last year. So I'm very pleased that Neil is the first guest that we get to interview for Season 9 of Our Hope. So, Neil, we know that you are studying for your doctorate degree. You are also leading a Messianic congregation and you serve on staff with Chosen People Ministries. You're very busy and you lead our publications department. So I have to ask you, what are some of your hobbies? What do you do when you're not working? When am I not working is the better better question. Yeah. Um, So my hobbies are always related to trying to keep my mind off of the work that I have to do. Yeah. So movies are are a big uh, a big thing for me. Uh, I like to go go ahead and, and watch a movie. Um, the last one I saw was Avatar: The Way of Water. Oh, nice. Um, the it was really really long, but it was great. It was a great break from everything that I that I have to do. The other the other hobby that I really enjoy is my puppies. Oh yeah. Um, I've got cinnamon and nutmeg, and they are. Yeah, they're just wonderful, and I take them out for walks throughout the day, and that's also a great break from then. Average, you know, the the mundane 
you know, in and out thinking of, of what I need to do. So those those are really my hobbies. It's really all I have time for. Yeah. Oh, that's great. We love seeing pictures of your dogs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you lead Kehilat Sar Shalom. Uh, what topic or book of the Bible are you teaching these days? So our weekly Bible study right now, I am taking our congregation through the book of First Peter. It's really an amazing book. I think it's it's misunderstood at a lot of different levels. And we're going very, very slowly. Uh, I'm in, a, again, a, a PhD in Bible exposition. So the idea of looking at the scripture, breaking it down to its its components and looking at it and assimilating what it means is really what, where my heart is so that we can understand the scriptures better. That's what I'm doing with the book of Peter. We've been doing this for probably the better part of a year. Wow. Um, we did take a break uh, from the end of last summer until until now, but I think we're only through cha- through verse 10 in chapter 1. Oh, That's wow. how slowly we're going. We're going very, very slowly, but we're getting so much out of every word, out of every clause, mm-hmm. out of every phrase, and that's... That's really what I think the Bible is is designed for, for us to get everything out of every word. That's awesome. Man, I got to look it up because I'm interested in what you have to say about First Peter. Um, so we know that right now, synagogues around the world are going through the yearly Torah reading cycle. We're in Shemot right now, which is Exodus. Uh, but the Torah begins with Genesis, and that's where we're going to start our conversation today. We're going to start in Genesis 1. And I'm going to read Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27, which are key to understanding the image of God. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So... Creation narrative, many people are familiar with this. When they open the Bible, this is in chapter one, kind of hits you in the face. Um, And we find out from the beginning that we were made in God's image. So in what ways do people bear God's image? Do we literally physically bear his image? Is it more rational, the way we think, our emotions? What do you think? Well, I think it's a great question. I think it's an important question. Uh, as as is my habit, I usually go straight to the original languages. Genesis one twenty six opens with uh, in the Hebrew it says Vayomer Elohim mm-hmm. and God said, Naaseh Adam b'tzalmenu, let us make man in our image, and then he adds Kidmutenu in according to our likeness. So there's two words that God uses in this particular phrase. He uses tselem, which is uh, image, and he uses demut, which is likeness. Uh, demut is actually the same word that's used to describe um, the way a parent passes on traits or resemblance to their children. Oh, wow. We see this word in Genesis chapter 5 and verse 3, when Adam has a son according to his likeness and his image. So there's a lot more to this this um, this likeness than a physical uh, appearance. It's characteristics, it's traits, it's it's everything that's passed from from parent to child. The other word, selem, does seem to have a more physical implication when compared mm. to demut, but it doesn't require that understanding. I think that's important for us to understand that it's not just physical. There are, you know, n- there are inner innate characteristics that that God refers to in this image. Um, 
And we see that in what he says immediately after. One of the main points is what follows the Lord's invocation of this, this likeness. Uh, and these points that, that he makes are, are what lead us to a deeper understanding of the nature of this image of God. What he says right after, the very first qualification of what it means to be in his image is, is what is written in the Hebrew as vayirdu. Vayirdu is translated as, and let them rule. Mm. So God says, let us create mankind in our image, in our likeness, let them rule. Hmm. So wow. this idea of rada means to rule or have dominion, and that's not coincidental. So there's a connection here um, right at the beginning between the image of God and the capacity to rule, the capacity to have dominion. Wow. This connection um, with ruling as the image of God, along with the idea that there are male and female aspects with which he created, uh, created humanity— these are sufficient evidence for us that it's not simply a physical image to which God's referring. So being made in the image of God at its essence means to have the same potential, the same capacities as God does. And what does that mean? That means the capacity to love, even just to have a, a relationship. Um, it means the capacity to show mercy. It means the capacity to show grace. These are all part of the likeness of God that's built into humanity, just like the ability to rule, um, the need for rest. I mean, God even rested after all of his work on the seventh day. That's built into us as humanity as part of this image of God. Uh, and also, and not, not the least of which, is the strength that we find in community, God was in community before he even created us, and that's part of the image of God built into humanity uh, that we have to consider. So it's way more than just a physical likeness. Uh, it's a lot of inner character traits. Wow, that's a very powerful way to put it, that it's not just the way we look. It's also the fact that we have the ability to have dominion over creation, and then God is in dominion over everything. In thinking about all this, we know that Jewish people are reading these same scriptures. How has Judaism generally understood being made in God's image? This was a great question. Um, and as I contemplated this a little bit more, I looked at what I experienced growing up in a Jewish home. Uh, and then I had to look deeper into what Judaism believes as a whole or, or considers a whole. Judaism has a wide range of beliefs, but as you know, yeah. um, and it, you know, based on how well or how how important they feel the Torah is, the the, the Bible, um, the Hebrew Scriptures. Right. So when I was growing up, um, the idea of God's image was not an issue whatsoever. Uh, for secular and Reformed Judaism, uh, it's more conceptual. So we're, we're born good. Uh, and, and then uh, from that point on, it's up to us what we, what we do with that. Uh, the closer you approach orthodoxy, though, the more likely you are to take the Bible as, as actually God's revelation. Uh, in looking more at this, the Jewish sages wrote a commentary between... Uh, 300 to 500 um, BC, uh, B, I'm sorry, CE in the Common mm -hmm. Era, 
Um, it's called, it's, it's a commentary on Genesis called Gen The Great Genesis, there's actually a really beautiful statement about the image of God. Uh, and this is coming from the Orthodox Jewish sages, the, the rabbis of, of that day. And from the point of the creation of the, of the woman from the man. So in, in creation, God creates man, and then he takes a rib from man, creates woman. Um, typically, Genesis chapter 2 is seen as an expounding upon the creation story of Genesis chapter uh, 1. Uh, from the point that God created the woman from the man, which is actually the, cre the completion of the creation statement uh, when, he, when he said male and female, he created them. Uh, it's written uh, that the image of God means, this was so beautiful, not man without woman, and not woman without man, and not both of them without Shekhinah, the mm -hmm. presence uh, of God, the, the, that, that glory, that, that spirit. Uh, so it's more likely today that the Jewish person would be familiar with uh, a different concept. It's, it's more likely that the Jewish person would be more familiar with Yetzer Hara, and you may have heard these, these phrases before, Yetzer Hara and Yetzer Hatov, which is what's typically known as the evil inclination and the good inclination. These are the things that drive Jewish action, not necessarily uh, the image of God or the, the traits that are, are bestowed upon us uh, in at creation. From birth, according to um, according to the sages, there is the Yetzer Harav. It's funny that that you start with the evil inclination, uh, and the rationale is that when we're born, it's our ourselves, mm. our need that drives us, uh, and it drives us to be selfish. It drives us to to get what we need. It drives us to get what we want. This is the Yetzer Harav, and yet when we turn thirteen. The Orthodox believe that the Yetzer Hatov is born, the, the good inclination. And the good inclination is that which allows us to control the Yetzer Harav, the, mm. the, the, the evil inclination. It's, it's the, the quality that, that allows us to act unselfishly. We still yeah. have those needs. We still have those desires. But now we can control them um, and not act unselfishly. And while we have not yet discussed the effects of sin on the imago Dei, which is the image of God, um, this view is actually the closest that we get as Jewish people to the idea of original sin. We'll be right back. Shalom, friends. This is Mitch Glazer, president of Chosen People Ministries. There is a growing movement of the Holy Spirit among second-generation young adults, and we have a great ministry to these folks. There are hundreds of them. There's a beautiful commercial center, two and a half times the size of what we have now that'll seat over 150 people. We have space for children's work. We have space for a cafe. And so pray over the center. We'd love to have you come on a chosen people trip. But I know that you'll want to be involved in one way or another to help the gospel go out in power to Israel. To learn more about this new exciting project, visit chosenpeople.com slash Tel Aviv Center. That's chosenpeople.com slash Tel Aviv Center. Partner with us to bring the love of Yeshua to Israel today. 
So as we look at Genesis 1 and 2, what exactly does it tell us about the purpose of humans? What were we made to do and be? So there's really two ways to answer the question. The practical response is to say that God, and this goes back to what I was just saying, the practical response is to say that God created humanity to rule over the rest of his creation. It's very pragmatic. It's very, um, well, this is what it says, you know, let us make man and let him do this. Uh, It's important to note the community aspect, though, because the Lord created us to be in relationship with him while we were ruling over his creation, but not just with him. We were we were created to be in relationship with each other as well as relationship with him while carrying out the practical aspect of our creation, the practical tasks that he gave to us. And this theme actually replays throughout the scripture. Whenever you see repetition in scripture, it's a good indication that it's of great significance when you see it. Uh, and so being in relationship with him and with each other is really, really important. And that actually is part of what it means to be in, you know, to be made in the image of yes. God. But there's another way to respond um, to this question. It's much more philosophical. Um, and that is our purpose is to reflect the image of God. Yes. In our relationships, in everything that we do, in our exertion of dominion, in um, in the way we treat one another, in the way we, we view ourselves, in the way we view the world, we are supposed to reflect the image of God in which we were created. We are called to exhibit the characteristics of God that he poured into us at creation. It's this reflection of himself that he viewed uh, at the very, very end of Genesis chapter 1 um, he, he spent the entire chapter creating. He created those heavens, he created the earth, he created the water, everything in it, all the animals. And every single time he looked at it, it was good. He said, he said and it's good. Um, when he finally gets to humanity and mankind, um, he didn't call it just good. He called it tov ma'od. He called it very good. Mm. And it's because when he looked at humanity, what he saw was the reflection of himself. He saw the image of God, the majo Dei, uh, and that's what he's looking at, and he calls it very good. That's Genesis one thirty one. Wow. And I love how you said that we were created to relate, that we are supposed to be in relationship with God and in relationship with each other. And we know that the fall of humanity really marred that relationship. And so when we look at Adam and Eve's sin, there was extremely tragic consequences for human life, to say the least. Would you say that humans today still bear the image of God? 100%. Humanity absolutely still bears the image of God. Um, creation never changed. If you look, if you read the continuous, continuous Bible story, creation never changed. He never started over. Uh, and sometimes we would think that in the story of Noah, yes. he, started, he started over. Yeah. He did, in a way, he didn't start from scratch. Um, it's it's almost, um, for any of you out there who who bake, <laughs> it's, like, it's like baking um, sourdough bread. You have a starter, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that starter will pass along all of its own qualities to the rest of the dough and imbue the rest of the dough with all of its qualities. It's the same circumstance with Noah. God didn't start from scratch. Uh, he did get rid of, of, of a lot of it, 
But when he restarted it, he started it with Noah. And Noah had that image of God. Um, although we'll talk a little bit about how it had been changed. He had that. And then this new world starter, Noah, imbued it with all of his qualities, including the image of God. Again, though it was not the same uh, as it was prior to Genesis chapter 3. Yeah, that's right. So when we look at Genesis chapter 3, it almost in a way overshadows like Genesis 1 and 2. You know, we we start with the world being perfect and then humanity makes that one sin and then now it's all like never the same again. So in what ways has the image of God in people been corrupted? In in short, yes. Um every way. <laughs> every way. Um I tend to think of it though not not as corrupted. I think a better word for me is twisted. Mm. Um, what yeah. happens when we twist? We we can pull a muscle. We can pull, <laughs> we can pull a muscle. Yeah. Um, what I was what I was going for is when we twist, we actually change direction. Oh, this is true. Yeah, we change direction. Now we still have the ability to love. When when we say that we were imbued with God's qualities, this capacity to love, we still have that ability. Yes, we still have the ability um, to show grace, to show mercy. We still have a need to be relational. Yet in all of these things, because of sin, it's twisted. It's the direction has changed. Sin has thrown them actually off course. And just a little tiny change in direction will move us away from God. Now, the original image of God was uh, was a love for him and a love for others. When this direction changes, it becomes a love of self. When we reflect the original image of God, we rule on his behalf, twist it, and we rule on our own behalf. Yes. Um, ultimately, it means we become less and less other-oriented. And since mm. we aren't God, it also means becoming less and less God-oriented. The image of God, again, has not disappeared, but it does look very, very different from the way it did in the beginning. Uh, and depending on how, how twisted it has become, it might even be unrecognizable, but it's there. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me almost of what Paul says at the end of First Corinthians uh, thirteen, where he says that you know we we prophesy in part and we you know I forget the rest of it right now off the top of my head, but then he says when the perfect comes, you know then we will see clearly. Right now we're looking through a glass darkly, and so I think that's almost the same as the way we express you know the image of God in ourselves right now. Everything's imperfect. There's the capacity there, the godlike qualities are there, but also just the fallen nature. You're ab absolutely right. In fact, in, uh, I, I did take a look at that verse. Um, and the word that, that Paul uses in that verse um, basically has the connotation of reflection. Yes. Um, and so what we're seeing in, in the reflection is, is only what we're seeing, is only dimly seen. When he comes and restores everything, it'll be like seeing things perfectly. Um, so that that was a very appropriate verse. Thank you for bringing that up. Thank you. Yeah. And so we know now that, unfortunately, humanity has fallen. And, you know, the we have the image of God in us, but we're not perfectly expressing it. But thankfully, that's not the end of the story. And so God made a plan 
God knew all of this was going to happen. And so he made a plan even before the beginning of the world that he was going to send his son um, to redeem us. And he was going to send him to earth as a human. He was going to be born in Bethlehem and he was going to live among the Israelites. And so when we look at the life of Jesus, what does it show us about what human life was meant to be? Uh, it's a great question. The Apostle John in John fourteen nine uh, recorded Jesus saying, um, the person who has seen me has seen the Father. Mm, yeah. So if we're seeing the Father when we see Jesus, Jesus then is a perfect reflection of God. He is then the imago Dei, the image of God. In making his statement, he told us all he was the perfect image of God. So in the same way we answered the question about the purpose of humanity, we need to view this question in the same way. Um, there's a practical aspect and then there's this you know, more philosophical aspect, more overarching view. Uh, when, when Jesus in his life um, found that he needed to drive out the money changers, he created a whip. Um, he drove out the money changers from the temple. Was he telling us in that moment that what we needed to do was learn how to make a whip? <laughs> um, no. by, ex by extending his hand mm -hmm. when he enabled Peter to walk on the waves, was he telling us that we all have to take a lifeguarding class? Like that's not, yeah. that's not exactly what he's teaching us, um, which is the physical aspect of it. Um, was his life then in its entirety a call to each one of us to allow him to restore the original other-oriented image of God that's lying dormant in, in us all? That's, I think, where we need to look at um, what we learn from Jesus' life in everything that he did. In, in every relationship, in every action, in every miracle, in every parable, in every everything that he did, he was other-oriented. And that's what his life should be teaching us. Everything he did was other-oriented. If we can make our life like his, then what we will be doing is living out the image of God, being other-oriented, loving God, loving others. And it's funny because those are the two greatest commandments. When Messiah was challenged with that question, what's the greatest commandment of all? He said, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. And he said, the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Of course, quotations from scripture from Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5 and Leviticus 19, 18. And that's what the image of God is really um, focusing us to be. just reminded me that those two commandments, they both harken back to the creation narrative. God created humanity because he wanted to relate to us. He wanted that relationship. And then he created, you know, Eve because he wanted human beings to be in a relationship with one another. And so the two greatest commandments, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. So it's really interesting. Um, now, as followers of Yeshua, we're all, you know, trying to follow him and be like him. And it's hard. Um, in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, Paul wrote, 
For those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. What does it mean to be conformed to the image of Jesus? At the core, it means ultimately to have the image of God in us restored or untwisted, if you will. I mean, it's still there. Uh, It just needs to be redirected uh, back to the way it was when we were created. If Jesus is the perfect reflection of his father, um, then what we need to, to be is like him. That's the reflection that we need to have of, of the father as well. The choice of words, though, is, is really interesting. Um, the phrase you know, in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 29 that, that, that you, you read, uh, predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, the phrase there, to become, is not found in the actual Greek text. Interesting. Um, yet it's absolutely consistent with the idea that we cannot conform ourselves. Uh, and so the idea of being conformed is passive. It's something that has to happen to us. But that's actually the promise that God makes. Um, and this is part of what I love about about First Peter is that he talks about it at the end of his book. He says the true the true grace of God is that we don't have to conform ourselves. Mm. Is that He will conform us. He will uh, perfect us. He will complete us. He will do all of these things for us through our faith in Messiah. So this image that we have of God in us that's twisted, when we put our trust and faith in Yeshua as Messiah, God's promise is that he will, and he doesn't say how fast he will. (laughs) He doesn't say when he will. He doesn't say that when he does it, it's it's not going to be painful. Mm -hmm. But he says that he will untwist what had been twisted in the, in the garden. We have to be conformed, but he has to do it. The job of the Holy Spirit is to, to conform us to that, to that image. Yeah. He does it, not us. All we need to do is submit our will to his, which is in and of itself an other-oriented act, and he will do the rest. There's a lot of freedom in understanding that, you know, because I've been journeying out of legalism over the past year, and there's a lot of striving and just trying to be perfect all the time and realizing more and more that I'm just nowhere <laughs> like Jesus. <laughs> so um, I, I I appreciate that. Just the fact that we don't do the work. We can't make ourselves like him. We have to be surrendered to him and let him do the molding in us. Absolutely right. Yep. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a very personal question, Neil. Could you give an example of a specific way you've been recently challenged to be more like Jesus? So there are so many choices to, <laughs> to you know, to, to so many different ways to go with this. Um, we 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 ascertained earlier that I am busy. Yes. Um, it's really, really easy to get caught up in it, especially because it's ministry work. It's work on behalf of God. Right. And. When other things, other people want my time, my initial reaction is is no. Like this is this is what I have to do. I'm working for God. And yet we can be so focused, even even if we're focused on on God, that we ignore other people. Um, and unfortunately, that sometimes happens with my grandchildren who live with us. yeah, um. You know, it's more than just one time 
when one or the other will say, you know, hey, Pop Pop, can you do this? Or, or you know, Grandpa, can you, can you do this? Uh, and I have to, I have to stop and I have to consciously remember to be conformed um, to, the, to the image of Jesus. And what would Jesus do in that, that particular situation? And what is the most other-oriented um, response to that? And I, I struggle with that, uh, even, even yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Even yesterday. Um, and it's, it's challenging. Uh, and it's never, it's never going to be easy until he comes and he just takes that away completely um, in our renewed, restored bodies. Uh, and I'm looking for the forward to that time. Oh, yes, me too. So, Neil, well, speaking of that day when we get full restoration and Jesus makes everything new, what will the ultimate restoration of God's image among people look like? So it has always been my contention that the universe, not just us, the, the, the entire universe, all of creation is in a sprint race mm-hmm. back to the beginning. Um, it's almost like a lap where you, where you finish where you start. Oh, wow. That's, that's the way this is going to end. Uh, when all of it is said and done, I truly believe we'll be living. Um, and I don't, I, I don't know whether it'll be figuratively or actually literally, but certainly in, at the minimum, figuratively, we'll be living back in the Garden of Eden. Mm. Um, the you know, book of Revelation says that there's a tree of life there. Um, and that's, that's amazing to me. Jesus is walking with us. Just as God walked with um, Adam and Chava, Adam and Eve in, in the Garden. And we will be loving God. And we will be loving each other. It will be a completely selfless, other-oriented uh, nature uh, that that comes out in each of us. And we won't have to worry. We won't have to think about it. It's just going to be natural because that's the image in which we were created. Um, we won't need to worry about ourselves because everyone else is looking out for, <laughs> for <Yes>. us. <laughs> um, you know, when, we, when, when I'm taking care of you and um, – you know, I'm not worried about who's taking care of me because somebody else over here is taking mm-hmm. care of me. Yeah. I can just worry about taking care of you or, you know, how, however. So our capacities to love, to trust, to relate, um, our ability to respond out of an unselfish nature, a completely other-oriented focus, and our ability to actually rest and not worry about other things because they're all being taken care of. Mm-hmm. All of those things will come back and the the final clue that this has happened is that there's a peace that will come over us, the peace that we're all looking for. And that peace will not just per- permeate me and you. It'll permeate all of creation once and for all. And that's what creation is groaning for. And that will only happen when the Prince of Peace comes back. Amen. Amen. Well, we're looking forward to that. Neil, thank you so much for being on this episode, and I really enjoyed this discussion with you. Me too. Thank you. As God's image bearers, we were made to love God and display His character to the world. Human life after Eden often does not follow this calling. Indeed, the only person who has fully embodied what God intended for humanity is Jesus. His life illustrates what it means to serve the Lord, to be fully human. 
believers are conformed to his image as we grow more like him. None of us do this perfectly, but with the help of the Holy Spirit, we will be changed from glory to glory. And when Jesus returns, as it says in Revelation 21 verse 5, he will make all things new. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or a rating on Spotify. Let us know how this podcast has moved you. We would also love if you can share it on social media with your friends and family. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Our Hope featuring Neil Saraski. This episode was produced by Grace Sui and Nicole Vaca, written by Rachel Larson, and edited by John Bautista. This episode was also created thanks to Dr. Mitch Glazer, Kyron Bautista, and Nathan Scherer. I'm Nicole Vaca. Until next time.